The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So it's a challenge that we all deal with. We show up, work incredibly hard, strive to create something powerful and unique and impactful, and yet it lands with a thud. Maybe not an outright failure, but also nowhere close to what you thought could or would happen. Creative disappointment is a part of the process of making anything great, whether that's a book, a brand, a company, a career, a product, culture, or beyond. You will inevitably be disappointed along the way, sometimes with yourself, other times by the reaction or responses from others. And what we do, how we handle these moments is critically important, not just to the long-term success of what we're working on, and again, that may be our entire career, but to how we feel along the way. And that's what we're diving into in today's special Spark Hot Take episode, where we look at hot topics in conversation with expert guides from the Spark Brain Trust. And today, we're talking with Cynthia Morris. Cynthia is the founder of the Original Impulse Creative Studio and Atelier and Coaching Program for Writers. She's also an author, workshop facilitator, trusted advisor, and coach. Today, we're diving into creative disappointment. We look at what it is, why it can impact us so deeply, and the lasting impression it can leave if we don't have a way to process it. And Cynthia offers a reflection on the issue with being what she calls bright-sided too early and why it's important to sit with something instead of rushing through it. We offer some new perspectives, frames, and tools for the creative person, entrepreneur, and career professional, along with a way to look at failures and setbacks as an inevitable part of the learning process, as opposed to affixing greater meaning to it and in turn to our identities. To round out the conversation, Cynthia also offers some powerful questions we can explore ourselves and work through with a trusted friend or professional to uncover what's really occurring when we experience creative disappointment. As always, we hope you enjoy this sparked hot take on what it means to be creative, to grieve how we thought things would go, and how to move through it rather than bury it. We hope it supports you the next time that you're experiencing something similar. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Cynthia Maris, as always, fantastic to be hanging out with you. We have an interesting topic to dive into today. Um, you and I have talked about elements of it in the past with strong maker impulses. It's the notion of, well, I'm, I'm actually going to let you tee this up because the conversation seems to start centered around creativity, but it actually is much bigger. It's about careers and what happens when things don't go right. Yeah. So the the general topic that I wanted to talk about was creative disappointment or disappointment in your creative life. Like you get rejected, you submit a novel or you submit some artwork or an article and it gets rejected. Or in the career realm, you don't get the job or promotion that you'd applied for. Perhaps you don't get into the school you applied for. You didn't get a grant or an award. And I have been making and submitting things and trying things. I just, I'll just go for all kinds of things. So I've experienced this a lot and I'm sure our listeners have too. It's just part of life. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I never hear anyone talking about it. And it's a piece of the creative puzzle of the piece that doesn't get any do. And I think it has a very, it, it can have a really negative impact and it doesn't have to. So I wanted to talk with you about that today and hear what you thought. Yeah. And I love this topic because it's the story of my life and your life and everybody's lives. But you're right. We love to show the highlight reels. We love to share the wins. And if we ever share, you know, like the struggles or the creative disappointments, it's usually with plenty of hindsight after we've already scored our next win. Right. And we have that to sort of buffer our egos. But we don't talk about it as actually a normal part of the process, whether you're a creative professional, whether you're looking to build a career that's meaningful and sort of like lose a job, you don't get a promotion, your team works on a product for a project for a year, and all of a sudden you launch into the marketplace and it bombs. Like this is a part of our working life and it will be for as long as we work. And yet it's the thing, and it, it's not an abnormal part of no. it. And yet we don't talk about it. And if we don't talk about it, we can't normalize it and understand how to move through it. Yeah. The first time I really thought about this in a bigger way was when I was watching the Oscars, the Academy Awards. And I just had this thought as, as the evening went on, I thought, wow, there's so much disappointment in this room right now. All these people who didn't you know, get called up on stage with the, the big wind. And of course, they're always like, well, I was just honored to be nominated and all of that. But you can't help but know that people were disappointed. And I just had this thought, where does that go? Where does that disappointment go? And I had this image of it just staying inside of us like an, an organ that just kind of metastasizes and doesn't really get processed and just kind of leaks into the space. And I think that's what can happen with the disappointments that we go through 
we don't really process them. And one of the things that happens is we get bright-sided too quickly that there's like, well, it's going to be okay. Well, the good thing is you applied, at least you tried. Or, you know, I I always like to believe that something better is coming or you didn't get it for a reason. But we, which all of that is good and I think helpful, but what I think happens is it happens too soon. And it becomes, Mm. instead of something that's actually helpful, it just becomes this kind of happy shellacking over the pain and then the pain just goes underground. Mm, yeah, as you're saying that, my I'm thinking of the oft used phrase, and I'm probably thinking back and remembering that I've used it myself in the world of entrepreneurship, which is like when you stumble or when you just outright fail. You know, failure is just one step closer to your next big success, and I believe that not always, but often. But you're right. You know, if you're more invested in turning the page than understanding what just happened then yeah, not only do you never learn from it, but but you also, what you're seeding is something different, which is that there's an angst mm. that becomes a part of you. And if you never actually address that, it never quite goes away. It's just like on a low burn. Right. So instead of this thing that happened, it can become part of your identity. So like say one of the disappointments is, oh, I never finished that book I was writing or I never completed a project. You hear people saying a lot, oh, I'm not a finisher. Oh, I never finish things. And it becomes an identity or I don't belong there. I'm not good enough to get that kind of job. I can't have what I want. It, it becomes a part of your belief system rather than something that you can look at. And as you said, learn from. And I think that process of learning from something And even that might not come first. You know, there might be just the emotion of just like, I just need to, I just need to cry. I just need to go for a walk. I just need to go swimming or whatever to feel it and not, you know, I don't really want to talk about it right now. But to have a place or a process where you you do go through it, I think could be really helpful for all of us. Yeah. I mean, in some way, it feels like there's a similarity between creative disappointment and grief. Well, it is a loss. I think it is something you grieve. Um, I mean, grief, we only kind of seem like it. we have it as a definition for somebody dies. But I'll just say right now, I told you earlier before we started recording that I'm feeling disappointment right now because we were going on a trip tomorrow, my husband and I and someone who, where we're at, got sick and now we can't go. Like We were checked in, we were ready to go, bags packed. And so now I'm like, oh. So I'm just noticing how it just takes a little bit of time where that feeling is there and then I'll and then I'll get over it. I'll be able to make new plans and see the bright side like, oh, a whole free weekend. Okay, great. But I just am noticing that the feeling is there and it's not bad and it's not to be rushed and it's it's just okay. Yeah. To, to feel that. Why and I, mean, I want to get into process a little bit with you, but before we do that why do you think we don't talk? And not, it's not even that we don't talk about it. Why do you think we don't deal with it? I mean, what's, what's actually going on? I don't think we have a process for it. And I don't think as, as people in, in, well, in American culture, if you're not happy, no one wants to be around you. you. You can't show up and just be a little sad or down or disappointed. Everybody's just like rushing to like pave you over with balloons and happy emojis and all that stuff. So it's just awkward and uncomfortable. And, and also, Jonathan, I think 
often when we're just feeling something, there's really nothing to do. And this was a big part of my coaching training where they're like, if someone shows up and they're just having an experience, our job is to be with them in that experience and ask questions and what's that like? What do you notice? And and all of that, but not for the sake of trying to move them uh, forward or change or fix. And that was so hard for me when I was training and when I was being supervised to learn to just let people be where they are. And I remember asking my supervisor, I said, but why bring them to this really painful place where they're just going to be feeling all the stuff? Like, why, why make them go there? And she said, you're not making them go there. They're already there. And you're probably going to be the one person in their life that lets them be there and that's going to be okay. So I'm like, okay, I can see that. That made a big difference for me. It's still hard to do that without wanting to you know, help them move somehow. But um, so I think we don't have skills. I think we don't have the process for it. And it just hurts. <laughs> so we want to just move on and, you know, go to the next thing. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I wonder also if part of what happens is that if we're going to linger in this, if we're going to really like feel it and dive into it and process it, Part of that will probably involve at some point us asking the question, what was my role in making this happen? Yep. And, and maybe maybe it's just complete circumstance, but probably like a healthy part of the time, we did contribute to the creative disappointment and facing like everything ranging from shame to lack of skill or ability or competence or experience and not being where we at a, a quote level that we either expect or want ourselves to be. And that's tough. Yeah. I think most of us don't really like facing our limitations like that. And if you have a process, some kind of process that you can work through and everyone can have their own way of dealing with this, it will be, I think it will contribute to you being a lot happier and healthier and resilient than if you just kind of let it go into the basement and become part of the the feeding for your inner critic. So what you just said about like, oh, I, you know, I didn't really slow down and take the time to make my writing sample as good as it could be is much different than my writing isn't good enough. It's just not a good sample. I, I'm never going to be a good writer. See, no one likes your writing versus this is something I could work on, take a little more time, maybe get some feedback. But I think that the switch from it being something that your inner critic takes a hold of and something that you can use constructively, that's the big difference that I think we, that we can use around these disappointments. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I wonder also something contributing to us not wanting to really do the work to move through creative or professional disappointment also stems from a shift in expectations in terms of how long we think it should take us to reach a level of competence or skill to be able to perform at a higher level or to be able to do the thing that we just weren't able to accomplish. I feel like the last decade has trained us to expect everything to happen in the blink of an eye, including being extraordinary, uh, like being able to actually perform at the highest level, you know, like deliver at the highest level, create at the highest level. And that if it takes more time, if it takes 
years even, there's something wrong with you because if you look on socials, everyone around you seems to be doing it in just a matter of hours. Um, and I wonder if there's a is if there's been a a gradual shift of expectations that have become sure. so realistic for us that that's actually feeding into the level of sort of like the piling on of expectations that we feel like we're we should be meeting but aren't meeting. So when we stumble, when we have these disappointments, it just makes it that much worse. What's your take on that? I think it's a little bit of just immaturity. And that I think that word might have a negative connotation, but it's really about just like you said, not having accurate expectations about what it takes to develop a skill, what it takes to succeed. I, you know, I'm kind of torn about this because I think there's this idea of going for stuff, like I'm going to apply for something. And there's a certain blindness or ignorance, not knowing whether you're qualified or not. Like I have like some things you just don't know. Whether you're qualified or not, or and often there is a blindness around the quality of our own work. We just don't know, and that can go on both sides. Like, it's way better than I think, or oh, it's actually not polished enough. So I think that is part of the disappointment, like being disappointed that you you don't have the skills. I think that happens to us all the time. Probably every time we try to create something or go for something, we realize we're not really there yet and we need to develop more. Yeah. I, I remember um, for years, I haven't looked at it in, in quite a long time. There was a beautiful online magazine. They might've actually been producing, actually, I think they were producing print magazines too, called The Great Discontent, right? Which is just fantastic because it's just acknowledging the fact that there is often a sense of persistent discontent when you're constantly trying to grow and create and express. Um, and it is it is part of the process and actually sort of like understood and harnessed, it can become fuel to grow. Yeah. And isn't discontent kind of the origin, original impulse for creating things? I think it's a lot of it for sure. <laughs> so let's, we use the word process a whole bunch here. Let's talk about that more. Like when we hit these points, something's just happened. We had an aspiration. We wrote an article and published it. We wrote a book and put it out into the world. We worked on a team and a project and it like it bombed or we like went for a thing and it didn't happen. What is a sensible approach to process in these moments? Well, I wrote down a few ideas and again, everyone can, can create their own process, but doing this, writing it down or doing it with um, a trusted friend that you can share this with or your coach or a therapist just it could be with somebody else or it could be just on your own i find journaling and writing can be really helpful but just asking a few questions like what what happened or what is lost when you didn't get that thing so i didn't get the job what's lost and like oh my sense of hopefulness and this whole vision that i had for what my life was going to be like when i had that those visions we create, it's just thoughts and air and, and you know, potential, but we hold it in, in a very meaningful way. So that whole dream is, is lost. And just making some notes about what specifically is lost and noticing the feelings that come up and acknowledging them and being kind to yourself about that. When you say notice what is lost... I really want to just reinforce this idea that we're not talking about the immediate thing or the goal or the vision. 
right? So it's like you write a book and it lands with a thud. Okay, so that hurts. But the bigger question, the seed you're planting is like, but but what had I built around that succeeding yep. in my mind that I've also lost that may yep. actually be the much more painful thing? Yeah, and I think so much of what's required in the creative process is, or, or anything, I'm just, you know, generally speaking about the creative process, but I think it applies to getting a job or building a business or anything like that. It's this sense of innocence. You really have to be an innocent to put yourself out there and try something. And so the sense of, oh, my innocence is lost. My sense of hopefulness, the vision I had for that. So it's like the thing and then all the things under the thing that, that you're that you were feeling or thinking or believing about that. And and the beliefs, I think it's so interesting just how things solidify into beliefs. Like I'm not the kind of person who mm. like, and you know, I'm not a therapist, but I think we can probably see that somehow sometimes some of those things that happen will go back and reinforce, reinforce some of the other negative things that we've experienced in life. Like, oh, see, no one listens to me or see, you know, Whatever our stuff is, it can reinforce that rather than just being like, when it comes time, looking at what you've learned, like, wow, I really went for it. I'm the person who's going to go for stuff. And it, it may or may not succeed the way I wanted, but I, at the end of the day, at the end of my life, I'm going to respect myself because I just tried stuff. I went for stuff. That feels really empowering to me versus letting disappointments kind of put us on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, that it's such an important point, the notion of not letting the feeling of the experience become an identity. Like, So like this was a disappointment rather than I am a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. And when we feel stuff, I think we do kind of go into that kind of innocent state where we're just like, I don't know, I'm just sad. Or I, we, we can get a little inarticulate we don't have words for things. We just are like, I don't know. So that's why I want to say like, just to let yourself have time to feel what you're feeling and whatever that looks like for you. I I will often just like go to bed for a little while, like it, just need 10 minutes in bed, like kind of in the huddle position. And then, and then I feel better. So kind of that self-soothing or like a swaddle kind of thing, whatever that looks like for you. But, um, I just want to speak to anybody who might feel a little stuck or feel like they're, they need to reinforce some of their courage to maybe check through your catalog of disappointments and make a process for yourself. Write a list of disappointments, especially the ones that relate to your creativity or your career, and look at the list and you can ask how resolved does this feel in me? Is like, oh yeah, it doesn't really bother me, but ooh, this one feels sticky. I feel this one really gets in the way. And when I look at it, it really gets me down or that really took a piece of me. Um, so you could ask, well, what piece did that take? Like what was Moss there? So making notes about the impact of the disappointments can give you information about how you can turn that around. What about that was so important to me? That meant so much to me when I was doing that thing, when I was going for that thing, I was really honoring my value of flow or connection or um, whatever. It, it, knowing why it matters can help, I think, um, I don't know about resolve the disappointment, but 
help you own it. Like, yeah, yeah, that really hurt because that was one of the most important things I've ever done. And then ask yourself what you need to move toward resolution with that. You might need to write a letter. You might need to like do an angst dance. You might need to tell somebody about it and be heard and respected for that experience that you went through. So these are just a few ideas. I think people can fill in some blanks there about how they might do that. Sometimes people write things on paper and burn it or kind of mark it on a stone and throw it into the ocean just to feel a sense of release. And then see how that opens up space for more. The main thing that, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this is that I just really don't want any of us to get stuck and stop doing things and stop trying and stop putting it out there and stop being the just the undeniable creative force that we all are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so important. Um, the notion that we acknowledge the fact that if we're, we're regularly trying new things, if we're regularly really investing ourselves, and if we're regularly saying yes to things where the outcome is uncertain and the stakes are high enough that it genuinely matters to us, whether it happens or whether it doesn't, um, a part of that process is sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not. And when it works, we just kind of like keep on keeping on and celebrate and like, let's go for the next thing. And when it doesn't, to know that there's there are questions, there are things to do, that there's like fairly straightforward process to let you be with it, really understand what just happened, whether it's through conversation or journaling, like there are ways to sort of like move this out of your head so that it's no longer taking up bandwidth, emotional and cognitive and creative bandwidth, and at the same time, help you process and understand what happened so that if you take another swing or you decide to do something else and it's related in some way, you have a different frame to bring to that, a different understanding of maybe how to move forward. And you're also doing it without without having to counter yeah. the weight and and the burden and the bandwidth that just letting that prior disappointment sit yeah. consumes. As I listen to you talk about it, the words that come up, if and when we're doing these kind of processes around disappointments, the words that come up are respect and honoring. Like you're really respecting yourself a lot more if you're saying, yeah, I wanted that thing. Yeah, that really mattered. Yeah, it, it hurts that I didn't get, it didn't turn out the way I'd hoped. It just feels like giving yourself so much more respect. Mm, I love that. Any final thoughts as we wrap around this topic? I had a thought a minute ago and it's gone now, but really mostly just to not let it stop you. If you faced some disappointments that have somehow solidified in you in terms of an identity or a new belief, keep trying, keep trying new things, keep trying the things you want, especially the things that are so meaningful to us. We have to dare to try them. And we're also risking the disappointment. But I think it's, I just believe in my experience, all the disappointments I've had, all the, the wins and fails, that I'm better for having tried. And I believe that for, for everybody. It's better to try than to wish you had. Mm, yep, completely agree. And I would add to that, see if you can give yourself a little bit of space and a little bit of grace along the way. Um, give yourself time, uh, you know. We've talked about the, the 
I think now relatively famous Ira Glass quote where he was talking about the gap between taste and ability, where at a certain point you develop a certain sense of taste where you know what it is that you want to happen or to create. Like, you know what the story is going to look like. You know the book, you know the team, or like you have a really strong ideal and sense of taste around what you want this outcome to be and taste and look and feel like and sound like, but you don't yet have the skill to deliver on that level of taste. And it may take years, it may take decades to get there. Um, And if we don't, and we're going to stumble a lot along the way, and there's no way to accelerate, like the, the, the accumulation of certain types of skill and ability and insight and experience, like you just have to do your way through it. Um, and while there may be like hacks here and there that can accelerate like, you know, like bits of it, it just takes time and it takes energy. Um, and knowing that there's some process because we're going to stumble a whole bunch along the way, I think helps us stay in it long enough so that we can start to close that gap and reach those occasional moments where we're like, yeah, I'm the person who stayed in it. And because of that, I was able to do this. And then we're going to wake up the next morning and stumble again. I think that's why it's so important to have creative peers, because then it normalizes all that. Instead of you taking it all on, that it's just you. No, that's just the process. No, this is just life. We're going to try things and we're not, we're not going to get everything, which is probably for the better. Mm, love that. Always great diving into conversation, and we hope that uh, everyone in our fantastic Spark Listening community enjoyed. You will hear us mixing in more of these topic-driven conversations and episodes in along with our fantastic listener questions as we go. Hope you're enjoying all of it, and we'll see you again next time here on Spark. Bye! Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life. Take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.